I've had several NDEs, but I've only written about three. Sometime between the ages of five and seven, I died. I was strangled, and the woman went too far in her fit of rage. I was taken to the hospital since I was unresponsive. They attached me to all kinds of machines. The doctor was furious, saying they had abused and killed me. He put me on an EEG machine to try to prove that I had brain trauma caused by the strangulation. They performed extraordinary measures and got my heart to beat again. However, as I remained unresponsive, the doctor argued with my foster parents to remove life support because I was brain dead. I then flatlined and was declared dead. I was watching as I stood beside my body as this went on. I felt very impartial, with a lean towards relief. My suffering with these people had been catastrophic. For instance, I was forced to eat dog food from the floor. They shoved a hot curling iron inside me. I was so severely assaulted that my uterus was 75% scar tissue at the age of 8. There were many more episodes of severe abuse, but this is enough to set the stage for the NDE. As I stood next to my body, I was relieved the suffering was over. I became aware of a being of light standing beside me. The being said, follow them. I turned back to watch the foster parents and the doctor leaving the room. I followed in their wake. We went down a hallway and through a set of closed double doors that swung open and closed behind us. We went down another hallway and around a corner to another set of similar double doors. They continued the length of another hallway to stop at an office just before another set of double doors. They went inside and the doctor and the foster parents began to argue. The being said, remember exactly what they say. I did so and later I replayed this conversation verbatim to those involved in it. While they continued their argument, the being turned to me and asked, Are you ready to go? What are you? I asked it. Don't you know? No. I wondered why it would expect me to ask a question I already knew the answer to. As an autistic person, I was, and often am still, a very literal person. It responded that I could call it whatever I wanted to. Most people, it explained, called it an angel or a guide. Some called it a god. But you aren't any of that, are you? I somehow inherently understood this. It expressed pleasure and pride what we would call a smile, and replied, no. None of those are fully accurate, though all are as accurate as they can be for the person deciding. Why can't I decide what you are? You have no preconceived ideas to get in the way of your understanding. You understand that you cannot truly know me while you carry the limitations of your body. You know whether I am good or bad and whether or not you trust me. This is complete enough knowledge. Then the being took me into the presence of the great intelligence that created everything. It is everything and exists in and through and as all things. I would call it God, but this word has too many misunderstandings attached to it in our world to be accurate. In this presence, I simply stood there. I felt love everywhere. It was thick and heavy, and it had a literal physical presence. This presence was exquisite and magnificent. I also felt its gratitude for all of humanity and for all who must suffer in this place. It had weight, presence, and form. It is one thing I have never heard spoken of, that God is grateful to us and for us and for all that we are and do. Then I was taken into the universe. I surfed on sound. I tasted colors that we can't see and for which we have no names on earth. I experienced the fullness of the songs that the planets sing to each other and the laughter of the stars. 
I experienced all that is and the wonder of what exists. There was indescribable beauty and such vast love and joy. I returned to the being who had led me from the presence. I carried some of the presence with me still and will do so forever. I was taken back towards my body by a long route through more stars and beautiful things. While we walked, the being and I spoke at great length. The final conversation went much like this. You don't have to go back, it's your choice. If I don't go back, I will have failed. Much will fail. I didn't want to go back, but I felt a powerful draw to do so. You will be loved and welcomed home regardless. You will be celebrated, and there will be rejoicing and welcome. I looked then at my body lying there. I will know only pain if I go back. Yes, still, the choice to return is your own. We will not decide. We love you always. I want to stay so badly. I looked at the being and felt its understanding and willingness to accept that. I'll go back. It wasn't a choice, but it felt like acceptance and knowledge. I knew I would go back. I had promised. I had work to do even though it was hard work, but I didn't want to go back. The being waited patiently, as feelings of my pain and desperation warred with my mental knowledge and commitment. I had just spent eternity in magic, wonder, and a wealth of love and gratitude, listening to celestial songs in a perfect world. Now I would return to squalor, abject misery, terror, and agony, and I knew it wouldn't end soon either. I did return to my body and all the inherent pain. After an exploration of magnificence, I cannot even describe at all. And here I remain, for now. I have finally decided to write about another one. I suppose, with the strangeness of our world, it's just the right time. I've told this in part, but not in full, and not in as great of detail as happened. I was under six years old when I had this one. My foster mother had a great liking for strangulation as punishment. She was strangling me, and I remember my worldview narrowing down to a pinprick. This was the same thing I've seen at another time, when I stupidly locked my knees and nearly fainted from it. As the world narrowed and moved away down my tunnel vision, I had an intense urge to keep fighting. I was past the point where I normally gave up fighting. But this time, I felt a deep urge to keep struggling. As the world narrowed and then vanished, all I could feel was my body and hers against it as I became momentarily blind. I could feel myself slowing down, but my emotions began to cease. I was no longer afraid, and now it seemed as if my body was fighting on its own. Then I was out of my body, standing there watching the scene. My body was now limp, and Dorothy was shaking it by the throat as if expecting more of fight. I turned to the being beside my awareness, as it were. It reached out to me, like taking my hand would seem in real life. Let us take a tour, was all it communicated to me. I glanced back and saw that Dorothy had begun to resuscitate my body. I felt worried, but not for the body. Will we have time? The sense of a smile. Plenty, and some to spare. Time here will not pass while we are there. We were somewhere else. I didn't sense a transition, as much as just being somewhere else. I felt only awe and wonder. We were at the base of plants that were like trees, but more akin to seaweed. They waved back and forth like great fronds of ferns. They were either red or gold. The red ones had gold veining. The gold ones had green veining. Moving gracefully through them were intelligent creatures almost impossible to explain. They glowed with bioluminescent light, though they were what you might think of as mermaid-like in appearance. 
They were long and lean, their faces narrow, but still kind and elegant. Their eyes were wide set, but not quite on the side of their heads. Their fingers were webbed and light seemed to move along the surface of them. I understood that this was a different world and a different planet than Earth. This world was completely covered in water, and they had no concept of Earth, dirt, or ground. They lived their entire lives on the water currents of their vast world. We sank deeper into this world, where there were more strange creatures. These creatures were similar but less evolved. They were curious and able to sense us, where the other creatures had not. They were gentle, filled with joy and pleasure in our presence. They flocked around us, similarly to dolphins. These were of a color we have no word for. Oddly, I no longer remembered the color as soon as I returned to my human body. These creatures lived down in the darkness where their sun could not reach, and they saw in colors that we humans cannot. They were like joyful dogs greeting a long-missing, beloved human. They made strange sounds, which I knew my human ears would never hear. They made high-pitched sounds, but these sounds were not painful. These creatures sang in these beautiful, high sounds, and the sound traveled in the water. Then I heard others of their kind return their song from far away. I could hear and understand their very simplistic song about visits, joy, and how great was their teaching. In my human thinking, I had come simply to see. But they believed I had come to learn, and they did teach me. I went with them at the gentle urging of the being beside me. They took me into their homes that were honeycomb-like caverns under the ground, where the water flowed in musical patterns. We swam in these caves, and they showed me how much was alive around us. Algae was on the walls. Some of the caves were inhabited by microscopic life that grew in small, hard shells and created walls in the caves. Some of them were gigantic, ancient life that grew cone-like huge shells and ate of the life that bloomed in the water. These gigantic creatures could sleep, sometimes for decades, before the algae bloomed and woke them. They showed me the way to know when they were going too far up. I could feel the sense of coming apart when they reached the limits of their depth altitude. They showed me another school of their kind, which swam around me in circles, brushed against my energy, and asked me to bless them. I blessed them and told them that they would prosper for their kindness, for their washing away of some of my grief. They left, satisfied that they had given and received blessings duly in return. The pod I was with brought me back to their place again where we had met. They wished for a blessing in their turn. I told them that they would grow greater because they had taught me, and they, too, were satisfied. Then we went up into space and traveled among stars and planets. Although not occupied by life, each was beautiful in their turn. When it was time to return, we came to my body almost precisely as we had left it. This was odd to me because I had just spent eternity among the strange creatures of the other planet, among the stars, gas giants, ringed planets, and frozen planets, and burning magma planets. I stood at my body and looked back at the being. It was infinitely patient as it waited. I did not ask, and it did not make any suggestions, but I knew it was time to go back. I felt a surge of love for that being. Then I felt the emotions in my body as I woke up coughing and vomiting. This is the last of my NDE that I will share for the time being. I was with the sadistic torturers, foster parents, from the ages of three to seven years old. It was during these times that I had my NDEs. I will do my best to make this coherent. 
It's sort of like trying to unpack someone else's clothing and put it away neatly in a house you've never been in before. It's overwhelming and hard to put things into a logical and understandable order. One thing I want to make sure is understood is that I did a lot of fighting against what I was told, taught, or downloaded during these NDEs. This one in particular has plagued me for my entire life. I'll try to express my struggles over it at the same time that I try to express the messages clearly. Also, this one was a particularly fascinating NDE, and there are things to express from that standpoint, which will also be a challenge. As I rose from my body, I found my friend waiting there for me. My friend was a humanoid-shaped form of light who radiated kindness, love, and patience. We ignored the commotion of the foster mother trying to revive the body. I stood looking up at the body. Everything is up from the perspective of a child, although I could see everything around me. What is it that you wish to ask, but have not? It conveyed the question soundlessly. Why? With that question, I asked a dozen others, why me? Why suffering? Why this horrible world? Why did I go back when I could leave? Why would I come here and accept such horrific things when I am a spark of the divine, a portion of the great intelligence? It was a cry of confusion, anger, pain, and loss. It held out a proverbial hand and asked me, Are you sure you want to know? All that you suffer now will go easier on you if you do not know. I pondered, searching myself. Did I want to know if it would bring me more pain? In the end, I decided that I wanted to know. I could tell that my friend already knew my decision. There was a nod, and we were off. First, we went into the chamber of the great intelligence, what you might call God. This was the loving, vast, incredible being who made all things, as all things, exists as and through all things. I received the download that answered my questions of why as far as I am allowed to have those answers while here on earth. After a great length of time in that presence, I reluctantly went with my friend. It took me to a world with two suns. One sun was brilliant, red gold, and the other sun was a pale white. One might confuse it for a moon if they had only known Earth's skies. But in that place, I knew it was another sun. It was smaller than the greater sun, but greater by far than our sun. Both suns were many millions of times further from that planet than our sun is from ours. This planet had vast cities, unlike anything here. There were magnificent, towering edifices that were gleaming with crystalline shine. They were not built, but rather grown in a process I do not and did not understand. They were teeming with life, not merely the intelligent species of that planet, but with animals. Some of these animals were climbing creatures who nested far up in the tops of the great hollow houses. Even as I watched in wonder, they launched themselves off and glided from one vast pinnacle to another, scurrying up the side and disappearing inside the houses. They were similar in body to flying squirrels, but their faces were more like anteaters, though this is an imprecise comparison because no such things exist. It was joyful and beautiful. The intelligent beings who lived there were filled with laughter, happiness, and sublime contentment. I understood immediately the fullness of life on this planet. I could see when it broke apart from the sun, spinning, cooling, and collecting debris, until the first of these creatures heard itself laugh and understood the sound for what it was. At that moment, self-awareness was awakened, and the seeds of civilization sprouted. These people were golden-skinned and willowy in appearance. They were somewhat similar to humans, although their faces were more softly defined and rounder. They wore clothing, 
but it was to express themselves, as the clothing had no other cultural or physiological purpose. They danced and wove cloth through the air. I wished to go closer and learn more, but it would have been disrespectful. I was brought to another planet where the people lived in sprawling huts that were far apart from each other. These people were not like what I expected of intelligent species. They were not bipedal and used their feet much like hands, although their back legs were hoofed. They curled their hands into fists to run, and there were hard protrusions on the backs of their knuckles. Perhaps this was where my innocent childhood belief that I could, too, grow up to be a horse came from. Though they did not look like horses or any earth creature, these people were joyful, peaceful, and lived in harmony. They were very attuned to the planet they lived on. They spoke of the planet and to the planet. There were two other intelligent species there, and all three lived together and worked together in a strange, symbiotic manner. The tents these creatures lived in were made by gentle, ape-like beings, and the ape-like beings were carried on the bellies of the four-legged beings. The third race of beings was ape-like as well, but more similar to humans in their faces, without the prominent forehead of Cro-Magnon humans, but not as softened as modern humans. The third race of beings could see us and raised their hands in greeting. This prompted the others to do so as well. It was a strange sight. We bowed and sent them blessings before moving on. As we went from place to place, I saw wonders everywhere. I was shown non-intelligent species. I was shown splendors of every kind, like waterfalls and being taken into the heart of a burning flame. I skimmed the surface of a sun, playing in the shifting energy, and heard its jubilant joy at giving life to so many wonderful things. It was the most joyful, beautiful, wonderful, amazing experience anyone could have. The size and the scope of it cannot be expressed. I met with incredible spiritual beings like my attendant, friend, and my guide. They all were filled with contentment and joy. Everywhere in the universe was great love, dignity, respect, and compassion. It was so exquisite that I couldn't contain my tears, as I have a diminished capacity to remember this experience, because this is all that my brain can encompass while in this reduced, small, and limited form. To go from where I was and into this has been almost unbearable. To truly know what lies beyond, and to know beyond all doubt that it is magnificent and fantastic beyond all conception, makes living here, in this form, so hard. I try not to think about it. Another reason I have rarely spoken of my experience is that it makes me yearn ever harder to return to it. After a great deal of time exploring and seeing beautiful sights, we stopped in space near a nebula. Nebulas are even more beautiful than they appear in photos. That is the answer to your question. I understood that everything that we do here on Earth, all that we are, and all that we experience, allows creation to exist. Every beautiful thing, Every wonderful being and creature, whether on Earth or in any universe, relies upon people who are in extremely rare places like Earth. The great intelligence, God, is a paradox. It is completely loving and fully unlimited. Which, by the definition of a paradox, means it is impossible. It cannot be limited only to love. It cannot be limited to only being unlimited, or it is not unlimited. Earth is a place where the unlimited becomes limited, where the singular becomes many. Here, it can know community and loneliness. It can know heartache and hope. It can know all which an unlimited being of pure love cannot. It can conceive and perceive evil, which in truth it cannot do this either. 
To solve the paradox, it must experience helplessness and limitation, and all as it is real. In this place, it is also real. So, what is free will? Free will is the option to come here to help solve the paradox of God. To be all that we are not, so that everything wondrous and joyful may continue to exist, so that love itself may continue to exist, so that the unlimited is not limited to being only unlimited. Why are the answers always simply to exist and to choose love and to learn how to love? Because all you need to do to solve the paradox is to exist. And as we exist here, each time we choose to love, we expand the universe. Love is life's longing for itself. Despite the reality of what we live, even the darkest souls among us cannot help but reach, yearn, and move towards goodness and love. Love is the true nature of who we are. And when we experience horrible things, the question why comes to mind, because it is the central question of love, life, and of this world. The answer is so that all things might continue to exist. Every soul chose to come here and suffer because of love. Each soul loves the universe, loves life, and loves this world and all of the worlds. Each soul loves all of the people so immensely and intensely that they chose to come here so that all the universes may teem with a beautiful, joyful life. Every creature that I saw acknowledges that your life gives them the gift of life, and when each soul goes home after they die, they will know the rewards of their gift, too. The reward for their sacrifice will be joy, love, and feeling incredible, wonderful, beautiful joy at life and love everywhere in the universe. When you go home, you meet your soul. You willingly came here to forget yourself. You willingly came here to save every beautiful thing. By suffering what God cannot, you give the gift of life.